before crazy interesting craft beer became mainstream, they were the ones who were making craft beer exciting with some of the things that they were doing. Yeah. Um, and it's almost the, the pyramid has flipped. So it's an industry that in some ways rests on its apex. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of Brews News. And in particular, Brews News Week, which is this, our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views, and some of the issues, founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, but not ace reporter and senior journalist Claire Burnett, who's uh, having a, a well-earned... Well, PD, is well, it? She, no, she's studying, because Claire's doing her PhD, um, in not in beer journalism, clearly, um, but she's uh, off, off doing some other things. Good on her. So a, a break from this. Um, so we, we do miss her. It's a, it, 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 actually, I, I do have to say, Pete, the, the, the comments that we get coming in talking about the dynamic you know, it's just not because it's, it's not something that we try for. You know, like it's not a we don't try and be one of those. It's organic, jokey. Yeah, it's 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 very organic. So uh, yeah, um, well, we, we oddly enough, we do try and stick to the news and keep the banter down, but we just don't do it very well. So uh, yeah, Claire, we do miss you. Yeah, I suspect that a lot of our listeners too. If you're listening into a conversation, and I don't know, you listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And obviously, lockdown's given us an opportunity to discover lots of different and new ones. And it's really interesting to see the way different people have different formats and the and the way it is. But often, you kind of feel like you're. For me, I always kind of picture myself in a pub at a table, and there's just a couple of conversations. Or, you know, you're listening in on a conversation mm. between a couple of people, and then some others will ch- chime in, and that's your your comments or your you know your letters and and that sort of thing. But I think you feel more part of it, whereas yeah, some formats, I think, you know, uh, I don't know, it, it just makes it a bit different. So I think the way we do it, and I learn from, I pick up things from that I, you know, hear from other podcasts that I listen to and try to incorporate, I go, oh, I like I like what that does to the the overall product. But this is a little bit like, yeah, again, we've off, off script already, but that's one of the things. When we set this, if you go back and listen to the number one episode where it was, four of us talking about the issues of the week. And I'd modelled it on a podcast that I was listening to 12, 13 years ago called This Week in Tech. People who are immersed in the industry but not necessarily of the industry discussing the news of the week to give a variety of perspectives. The technology wasn't available back then for us to maintain that the the, the way that we are now. But (laughs) we were very sporadic. And, uh, you know, even people like Luke Robertson, you know, said that he got into podcasting because we weren't providing the content that he was listening to. He got hooked on listening to ours and then, yeah, for whatever reason, one wouldn't go up. And and that was, yeah, resources and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and fun fact for those listening, you'll you'll find this amusing, but uh, Matt mentioned the technology that was was available nine years ago, whatever it was. But we um, we thought, oh, yeah, well, there were four of us. So there was Crafty and Kira Lee, yourself and myself. And um, 
we had the little four box, you know, we had all had our video on until we realized that once we started talking, it just the bandwidth was just what we're there. <laughs> the just, bandwidth. We, we can either have video or we can have audio, <laughs> but we can't have both. And, and, and there was that. And then, uh, but, you know, again, even you know, if you go back and listen to it, there was a conversation between Ben Krause and Adam Tripp Smith talking about, you know, provenance and labeling and, you know, Adam was behind Vale Ale, which was a brand that was named after a region and they were contract brewing and Ben was always the champion of that. And that was one of the great conversations that, you know, it showed the power of the medium. You couldn't have captured that dialogue in a written um, conversation. So, and, and that's what we've always tried to, 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 to capture. And, you know, every week we do something that's a little bit we don't want to say this is what we want to do it's the feedback that we get from the audience and i i compare it to you know a, a brewery a small brewery you, you, this is the beer that i want to make this is what i think the market wants every day you come in and get a little bit of feedback um you know from your from your punters oh this is this this if you hear it often enough you gradually start tweaking the recipe because your product becomes what your customers actually want, um, unless you want to be, you know, the, the 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 soup Nazi of Seinfeld. You know that sort of, this is how I want, and you know, really, really cater to to the the purity of of your vision. So, ironically, that you know, and when when you look at the traffic that we get personally, the conversations that we do, the the beer is a conversation to me is some of the best content that we do through this medium. But in the week that it's released this podcast traffics much, much higher than the beer as a conversation because it's immediate. People want to hear what the news, they want to hear the takedown, they, you know, they, they want to hear us break it down and, and talk about it in the week that it happens. And then over time, um, the, the beer as a conversations, they'll go back and listen to because it's a lot more evergreen content. Um, so that's one thing that I found really, really interesting uh, to, to, to learn. But then the other is, we don't have the guests on because we have an audience that is formed around this who has an expectation for what Beer is a Conversation and Radio Brews News is. We ended up having to create a whole other channel, the Brewery Pro channel, that, you know, was a little bit more of that technical um, because we can't just suddenly drop a, a technical hop discussion into this channel because only a subset of this audience is brewers. We've got sales reps, we've got brewery owners, we've got, um, you know, people investing, we've got people planning a brewery, we've got really engaged, engaged beer drinkers yeah. um, in, in in this channel. So, yeah, so we, we've ended up having to create, just so we don't overwhelm people with the wrong content, just create, you know, the, the, the Brewery Pro channel that is a little bit, it is a bit eclectic while, while we see what that audience wants. But uh, with Marcus and Anthony doing that, so had a really, really valuable chat with uh, Dermot O'Morda um, talking about recalls. That was actually, it, it was the chat that you and Claire did when I was on holidays. And I think Claire just said something like, oh, you know, it's, it's just to be expected. Um, you know, there was a recall that week and after not being some, and, you know, Marcus Cox, you know, contacted me, you know, sort of saying, we can't expect, you know, that, that's just not right. You know, the, 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 the industry standard should be no recalls. Um, and then, you know, uh, and, and so that was where that conversation came from. So, yeah, so it, it, it's just fascinating how this morphs without any five-year strategy. It's based on the feedback. So listeners, God, we've spent eight minutes uh, leading into to that. But yeah, that's why your feedback matters. You know, the comments that you make, the the tiny little data points that you give us about what you're responding to and, you know, 
the things that we should probably be aware of, um, you know, like even fun things like the drinking game. We don't want this to be a meme fest. Um, you know, we don't want it to be something that new listeners feel excluded from because it is so inside, you know, in, insular um, that it, it's it's all in jokes. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, that, that's why the feedback that we get from you is is incredibly valuable. We don't the, actually the, the other thing, Prof, that's probably worth saying is we don't promote this. We don't, you know, we we put it in our newsletter just to let people who are already engaged in our topic, but we don't sponsor the content. We don't push it out. We don't, you know, ask our guests to share it with their audience um, because we figure that even if they listen to it once, they may not, you know, people who want this content find it um, basically. And that's why the feedback that we get is, you know, has multiples of value to us because it's people who are actually engaged in it and uh, you know, share their thoughts. So we do listen, we do respond. Um, if we haven't, probably putting the cup before the horse. If we haven't responded with shirts or bar blades or things like that, don't hesitate to give us a prompt. Uh, the, the hamster is a very, very uh, shaky creature on our on our wheel. That's it. And it actually appreciates um, you reaching out to it. Yes. Yes. So The squeaky it. wheel does get oiled. Yeah. In fact, everyone who's listening, just send us your, your contact <laughs> details and, a, and an address and we'll just, we'll just file it away <laughs> for just in case. It'll save you having to listen to every episode. You just go, if something turns up, you go, oh, I've been mentioned. And then you can go back. Speaking of to people it. that we want to get in contact with us, Pete, is that a nice little uh, segue into the first story? It is very much. Our first story this week, Australian Brewers Network to link brewers and breweries. Uh, I do hate this because it's not about us. Um, this isn't self-promotion. This is a, a project that's been in the, in the uh, you know, a fun idea that um, has become. And it's, yeah. yeah. But it's something that we've talked about for years and years and years on the podcast. You know, any time that we go to gay drones. Kind of thing? Yeah, six degrees of separation. Any time that we've gone to a brewery and listed the brewers that have passed through its doors. And Chuck um, Hahn actually sent me a list of all of the brewers on their honour board for the Malt Shovel Brewery. And it's it's amazing, um, some of the people that have gone through. And so the, the, the origins of this, we'd always said we would love to work out the Kevin Bacon game, the, you know, the six degrees of separation between the, the Australian brewing industry, you know, which brewers, breweries over the years have employed the most brewers or been the most, you know, proving ground and training ground for the most. And uh, again, it, it, it sounds like one of those PR things, which is why I sort of, you know, hate myself a little bit, uh, you know, for, for being, for having to quote myself in, in, in an article. But it would have been in the brief window between lockdowns, caught up with some people from uh, PR at Line, you know, surprises some people that uh, we actually do have a very good relationship with the big guys in, in trust. They don't necessarily like everything that we say, but, you know, they, they know that we don't take a point based on pure ideology. We don't, you know, we're not anti-big. We're not automatically pro-small. We talk about the issues. Anyway, one of the things we talked about was just – I'd have said, you know, something that we'd always talked about. I think it was after, it was not long after the Russ Gosling interview, actually, that I hadn't even mentioned this to him on. Anyway, filtered its way back and they said, hey, that's a really cool idea. Little Creatures is turning 21. And I think it might actually even, this is how much I suck at corporate sponsorship. Um, I think it might even be today that they're rolling out their 21st birthday launch. I'll, I'll check that. Um, and they said, look, we would love to see how this looks. So, you know, it was such a big project. If you think about it, I think we've already had over 100 replies 
just in the two days that it's been launched, I, I assume that by the time we get everyone in the industry and people that have, you know, overseas, like uh, Pete Gillespie, Dean uh, in Canada, and like all of the Dean people McLeod, who yeah. are, McLeod, all of the people who are Australian brewers brewing abroad, by the time we capture all of that, you know, a thousand brewers um, or more. Um, and then you sort of think, well, vetting their data, just sort of triaging their data, vetting it, making sure, you know, maybe following up to clarify a few things, 15 minutes per brewer you know there's 250 hours of work just in that data without anything else and so just a monumentally huge um, job that always was beyond what we could do with our little hamster and this is why you don't get your bar blades because we do this sort of stuff Um, and Lion just came out and said look we we would love to back it so uh, um, thank you to little creatures for doing that Um, I, I do need to say any brewers that are listening or anyone that works in a brewery, please encourage your brewers to do it. The data won't be shared. It will be, you know, just put in this very, very cool little, if you click on the brewery, it'll spring out with all of the brewers that have worked there. If you click a brewer's name, you'll see all of it. And so you'll be able to track people through. Um, we're also hoping to put in a, you know, you can throw in the names of two brewers and find the degrees of separation between them you know what what their bacon number is you know if they've worked together it's zero if you know they've worked, worked with somebody with brewery or yeah. yeah and none of that you know um little creatures is making this possible they're not part of the data they don't get the data um that's one of the questions we've had asked um so yeah please encourage your brewers to do it um it's a really really fun thing given that it's a cool thing that we think brewers are going to want to respond to because people typically don't respond to surveys because it's a it's it's a time cost but this is so cool hoping that people will actually want to be part of it if, if you've worked in the brewing industry we are also capturing some um, demographic information because the industry just doesn't have any and it would that came out of a separate discussion no individual responses will be shared but we are hoping to put a metric around you know just even male female breakdown of professional brewers capture some data uh, uh, around the, the level of training, you know, where people have been trained, those sorts of things, because our industry is very poor of data. Um, we, we don't have things that we can reference. Uh, the number of times a week I get asked by people who are doing a survey. So we thought we would put that in. It's not mandatory to do it. The um, From the, the last time I logged in, just about everyone is answering that so we're going to end up with a really, really useful data set for the industry that will be anonymized um, in aggregate. But yeah, um, so many ways. Look, it's, it's, it's a bruise news initiative, but it's a cool thing that has been made possible by Little Creatures and it's going to really, really benefit uh, the industry. Um, and this isn't about us. Um, this is about the industry. And it's a little bit disappointing that, you know, other people haven't picked it up, but, you know, there you go. We're pretty much read by the industry. You don't need to read anything else to know what's going on in the industry anyway. So, And on that note, Australian Brewers <laughs> win at International Brewing Awards. Now, this is the um, the International Brewing and Cider Awards has come around again. And uh, yeah, we're punching above our weight, fair to say. Okay, so Australian Breweries, Brick Lane, Ben Spoke, uh, James Squire and Lyon have taken home various medals in the International Brewing and Cider Awards. Judging for the awards took place between the 16th and the 18th of November at the National Brewery Centre in Burton-upon-Trent in the UK. The team of judges led by Rob McCaig, Chair of Beer Judging, also included Australians Bradford Tetlow and Bill Taylor. Bradford, who we had on the podcast recently, um, and Bill Taylor, who 
I was surprised. Bill's had a very, very long history in this, and I didn't think he was able to go this year, but the opening of the New South Wales borders must have allowed Bill to go. Bill's the former head brewer at Lyme. Industry legend, um, now retired, but, you know, really he, a real champion of beer internationally. So, uh, Well, also one of the people who, in, in the very early days, was instrumental in getting people to think outside the, the wine and food square to say beer and food matching and uh, identifying flavours in beer that are complementary or contrasting to flavours in food. And was uh, is name checked as the uh, the influence behind uh, the beer debut, Kiralee Walton getting into uh, what would you call it? The uh, he, he took her under his wing yeah. and yeah, encouraged her. Basically, spawned the beer debut. Yep. And I'm just sort of if if, if I because I, I was turning around to look at my bookshelf because I know that I've got Bill Taylor's beer and food matching book um, that was released it'll, in. It'll be in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, that's, got, that's got to be 15, 20. Uh, 15 years ago, 10 years ago? No, but even longer than that. It, it, it... Probably one of the first books. But anyway, congratulations to Brick Lane, Ben Spoke, James Squire and Lyon for their uh, their recognition. It's an interesting one for us because there was recently the World Beer Challenge. That's the one that's divided up into like we're Oceania and then... They, they drip feed results out over a period of time and I don't know whether it's they they do it because of their judging process or whatever but suddenly we'll over the course of a month we will get you know eight nine ten media releases from breweries and you just don't have the resources to do it and it's not that these beers aren't worthy of recognition or things but you know you can't do the same story eight or nine times and when you look at the results this is a very significant one because it's the, the Olympic system, you know, there is one gold, one silver, one bronze. So Ben Spoke winning gold, um, you know, conceivably the bronze, silver and gold winners in any other competition would have all got gold. You know, yeah. they would have all been together, but Ben Spoke was the best of the best beers. And that, you know, just in terms of trying to ascertain news value for a story, you know, one of our, the things that we do on Brews News on the written version, as opposed to this rambly podcast version, um, is we try and curate the news, tell you what you need to know, and focus on what's important. You know, news, not noise. You know, this way of doing it just has news value to us. So, yeah, um, that's why we covered it. Um, congratulations to the, the, the judges and, and, and all of the winners. And, uh, you know, go read the article if you'd like to find out. Uh, now, next story. It's um, it's unusual for uh, government to ignore the wishes of the masses, but um, the Queensland government caves to the hotel lobby over four packs. Yeah, the Queensland government has ignored a parliamentary committee's middle ground recommendation to allow restaurants and cafes to sell four packs of craft beer with meals in passing its latest uh, COVID Bill Amendment Act. Um, so essentially, during COVID, as restaurants and cafes were pivoting to take away, the Queensland government allowed them to sell small amounts of take-home alcohol with a meal. Um, they made a big thing celebrating that they were going to make these provisions permanent. Because it proved to be very popular and it worked. Well, because it, it worked and there were no problems. And mm. so why not? And But then decided, you know, because the hotel lobby, who is protecting their um, bottle shop, uh, Empire Monopoly. It's all dressed up as a responsible service of alcohol measure. So you can't go to your local restaurant, try a beer that you haven't seen at your big box retailer in amongst all of their own home brand beers and go, oh, gee, I really like this. Could I take a four pack home? 
with my takeaway meal that I'm, or, or just even because you've tried, or just because it, you, um, oh, okay, right. So, so you can dine in and take away uh, a beer, or you can have a takeaway meal. So, just a really, really awesome route to market for small breweries that don't have the ability to get ranged by the big box retailers. So, the Queensland government is basically saying, as a responsible service of alcohol measure, so this is their argument. We want you to go pick up your pizza and then go to the BWS that's in the same block and buy an unrestricted amount of alcohol um, of indeterminate ABV um, to, to take home because we want you to drink less instead of just buying a four-pack of local craft beer. Anyway, that's the Queensland angle uh, for this story. The, the, the broader angle is it just highlights Wine was allowed. Um, wine is always, you know, is is always the exception in these things. This is one of the reasons why we bang on on this show about the perception of beer, um, because if beer has a negative perception, it is so easy to be marginalised in these things that are vital to the long term viability of the craft beer industry. So you might think that we're being a little bit, you know. Um, fuddy duddy, you know, and people laugh at us when we talk about you know booze slingers and, and and those sorts of things. And but it's the way that we talk about it, the maturity with which we talk about beer has a lasting impact. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about brands uh, in below the fold, but that's why it matters. So I can still get a takeaway bottle with my pizza. I can get a takeaway. You can get two bottles of wine. Two you can bottle, get fourteen two, standard seven, drinks. Seven fifty mil times two of, and I don't know if you know Matt, but a lot of wine is up and around the fifteen percent mark. Um, <laughs> Mate, there's around about 12 less, to 14 but... standard drinks in two bottles of wine um but i can't but get a four pack you of, can't get a four pack of i'd say 3.5 percent clear bottle um green coast lager no exactly well, it comes in six packs but yeah okay well and it, actually that was one of the really interesting things about this um that the the, the big brewers criticized this as well you know this is one of the times that the, the big bottle shops and the big brewers' interests aren't aligned. But currently, the mainstream beers do come in six-packs. It's the craft brewers, um, you know, the, the more expensive craft brewers yes. that tend to come in a four-pack. And the volume that this was limited to was 1.5 litres, which limited it to a four-pack. So, so as an unintended consequence of this legislation – it actually, without targeting the big brewers, it positively impacted the craft brewers or the craft beers of the big brewers by limiting it to four packs because you don't get 4X gold in a four pack. It's always in a six pack um, or in a carton of 30. Um, So it it was just one of those really interesting little things. And yet the Queensland government that has a craft beer strategy designed to give craft brewers a route to market. Does Does it really have a craft beer strategy though, Matt? Well, that's probably, that's probably a discussion sorry, for another day. But it's it's got a document. Yeah, it's, they, it's got a craft beer document, but the strategy seems to be missing. Aren't they having yeah a plan to uh, schedule a meeting that will be to discuss the possibility of? <laughs> it's a little bit like putting your destination into your sat nav, but then putting the sat nav in the boot. Yeah. Satnav, you like that, kids? <laughs> Make sure a satnav. <laughs> On GPS. Anyway, now that was a smack for Queensland. Now a slap on the back. Uh, a beverage, a new beverage precinct is set to support Queensland brewers. 
No, okay. Hold your horses there, champ. Oh, okay. <laughs> Queensland Brewers will benefit, <laughs> but it's the federal government. It just happens to be in Queensland. It's uh, oh, actually Simon okay. Michelangeli from um, Glasshouse, uh, Glasshouse, who we, we talked about, um, is a major driver of this. And the uh, Food and Agribusiness Network on the Sunshine Coast um, has created uh, the Queensland Drinks Accelerator, um, led the funding submission for the federal government uh, under its Modern Manufacturing Initiative Translation Scheme. So, you know, whilst we, you know, bang our heads about Queensland government and, you know, governments and the nonsense that they carry on with to try and placate their major donors like the Queensland Hotels Association, um, at, at the same time, somewhere um, deep in the bowels of the cavity that would house a heart, um, there is something that is in the right place in the, the form of, you know, the, the various money pits designed to make things possible or, you know, legitimise uh, good business strategies. And this is one of them. So it's going to be based at the Sunshine Coast Airport. I, I believe there's going to, they're going to be installing some dealkalizing technology. It, it's going to be a research and activation hub that the entire drinks industry can use. You know, kombucha, um, I believe alcohol-free uh, beverages, um, craft brewers, distillers. It's, yeah, it, 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 in, a, in, a, in a regional area to try and create employment. Um, Queensland brewers will benefit, but I don't think it's strictly limited to them. Um, but geographically, it's probably uh, biased towards them. Uh, but it sounds like an exciting project. Um, if it sounds of interest to you, go and uh, read the article and find out more. Maruchador, isn't it? The Sunshine Coast. Maruchador, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm thinking of relocating the uh, Bruce News head office, incidentally. Oh, okay. Well, you know, when everyone's working from home, who'd, who'd notice? My property prices have gone through the roof and, uh, you know, the, the level of um, sponsorship that we get on this podcast just doesn't allow me to keep pace with inflation on, on those sorts of things. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> another business that found... Difficult to keep up with inflation was uh, Southern Bay, which it, it was revealed owed $765,000 to creditors. Look, yeah, and Southern Bay uh, placed in liquidation uh, owing $760,000 to creditors. We'll Interestingly, cover, we'll cover this yeah, last that, week. That, that were yeah, um, the creditors released it, uh, including $19,000 to five employees. When I looked at the list, actually. The tax office is usually the top one, isn't it? Yeah, the, the the tax office is always the one people because stop it, paying their excise, isn't it? Or yep. you know, you've... or excise or um, GST and those yeah. sorts of things. The, the the pleasing thing for this one was there were a lot of small suppliers, and you know, no amount of outstanding. And Bruce News was one of them for you know they, they placed a job ad, so you know we're out the sum of two hundred twenty dollars. Another reason I can't move to the Sunshine Coast, um, but the level of debt from small creditors who would have been overly damaged by it was was, was quite low. So I, I, I think when um, when I went back and looked at some of our uh, liquidation stories, the angle that we always took about it, because you don't, you don't want to gloat in somebody going down, but looking at how do you manage these things. And, you know, credit management is very, very important for small brewers and small suppliers um, because, there is always that tension between, well, we've got a good customer here who's buying. We don't want to upset a good customer if they're having cash problems. But at the same time, you know, if... if We don't want to expose ourselves to too much risk. Well, you don't want to expose yourself. Yeah. And if, if, you know, if, if their business is that important to you, 
you can probably also ask the same question, is that level of debt also going to be, you know, even more important to you than the potential sales that you're getting? So um, it was nice to see that, you know, this, taking this down isn't going to overly hurt uh, small suppliers because it's a, a, a major thing to be aware of. And, uh, you know, Claire did a, a great job. She spoke to uh, somebody who was a specialist in this area. Yeah, and presumably there's there's some things of value in the business that can be realised for cash to help out with those. But you'd hope the staff get looked after. All right, well, yeah, when you land, funnily enough, the liquidators are, are always, you know, the last group in are the first protected, which yeah. otherwise, why would you go in and liquidate? Why would you have accountants go in and do it? And even then, quite often, there's no money. You know, when I've looked at other ones, I think Albatross Brewing, you know, listening to the poor old liquidator talk about the number of times that they don't even get a payout from it. Um, but, yeah, um, it, it, it's a whole other world. Yeah. And a shout out to Scotty and uh, Renee at uh, Wolf of the Willows Brewing who have uh, made a real go of it at um, what was yeah. the, the the former site of Albatross Brewing. So it's good to see that's a good news story. That's, that, that go back and listen to the chat we had with them recently. Turned around. Yeah. Wouldn't mind following up, actually, because I know for a long while, despite the liquidators having signs on the thing saying that, you know, the, the previous business has nothing to do with this, Scotty was still, I think, you know, early doors um, getting people coming in after cash. Um, that was owed by the, the previous owner. And yeah. I think that's, that, that's just a, you know, a, a sad but true fact is that somebody says, oh, the lights are on, I've driven past and, you know. Oh, it must be, yeah. Local Sparky and the plumber and a lot of people who did a lot of work um, for Albatross, um, which, of course, you know, nothing to do with the current tenant, Wolf of the Willows. Um, but, yeah, you don't need that when you're, <laughs> when you're trying to eke out a, a, a modest living. Speaking of eking out modest living, Seltzer. I don't know if you've heard about it, Matt, but it's quite quite the rage. Um, I've got obviously well, Middle Pilsner who's who's on schoolies <laughs> at the moment. So yes, I've um, uh, I guess seen it around quite a bit, um, or heard heard talk of you know which is the best. Uh, now, what does a young Pilsner take to schoolies? Well, she, as you might imagine, I Matt, would be imagining a carton of Rattenhund. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I have put in my order. I'm I'm heading out after we. Uh, produce this, uh, finish this recording, uh, or two things. I've got to go out to uh, Hop Nation and pick up some Rattenhund that's been put aside for me. And uh, and then I've also got to go pick up the Middle Pilsner uh, after schoolies, so uh, down at Phillip Island. Um, she has reasonably broad and reasonably sophisticated tastes, so I don't think there's a lot of seltzer in her, um, well, I hope not, yeah, in, her, in her repertoire. Um, she tends to be more, uh, I think she's leaning towards sort of nicer Proseccos and, um, uh, well, not actually sparkling wine. Somebody bought some champagne, actual real deal, like expensive stuff wow. uh, okay. to celebrate. This and, is uh, why kids can't afford houses, you that's millennials. Right. That's, well, it was bought, no, she, <laughs> They're she all sitting around it. drinking spark, you know, French champagne and uh, avocado, smashed avocados. Yes. Well, uh, she was the only one of the group who didn't need to add pineapple juice to it to make it felt. <laughs> She's now I quite like this, so I was very proud of it. Uh, my daughter, Emmy, who some eagle-eyed listeners uh, will see her byline uh, appearing in Bruise News, um, she came for COVID and stayed for uh, her business contribution. Um, very, very proud dad, but not a big drinker herself, not a beer drinker, um, but sat down and had a bottle of red, had, sorry, not a bottle, had a glass of red wine at a recent uh, family dinner. And I was, there, there you go, go at, at 20. Good on her. Uh, 
Yeah, Seltzer. Um, well, oh, the, market, yes, the marketing uh, of Seltzer. Um, like a squirrel. Is ABAC going to tick it off? <laughs> As, now, you pointed out at the start, Matt, it's not necessarily a drinking game. Our bingo buzzword, Bruce News buzzword bingo is not necessarily – you don't have to drink. You can just cross off the boxes when we mention things like ABAC. And, and look, that's where it's not – look, yes, we do have some recurring I'd never themes. thought of it as a drinking game until you said that. No, well, no, but well, again, there are a couple of other podcasts that have got their own drinking games, and you know, it's our listeners that have suggested some of these things are so re- frequent that you can play bingo and tick them off as you go. Um, and ABAC isn't something that we deliberately, you know, like it's not something that we want to do. Brew, you might have noticed, you know, there's just so much news that we can cover that we are actually rolling it into compendiums. Uh, so it's not just Titanic hits iceberg; it's you know, a story today, Titanic hits iceberg, tomorrow Titanic listing, next day. We're just going to sort of give the you know, edited highlights of that one. But ABAC is one that until we started covering it, um, and again, hat tip to James Atkinson, who when he was uh, editing the site, covered it as a very important industry story because no one in the industry, uh, uh, sorry, a lot of new entrants in the industry weren't aware of it um, and 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 of its, uh, and I'm actually going to put it into below the fold um, for, for a second part. But for brewers who are interested in, you know, business marketing and the potential pitfalls, an ABAC panel has judged a number of complaints uh, which relate to the marketing of seltzers. There were some beer ones as well, um, but in one of the three seltzer rulings, ABAC's adjudication panel acknowledged that there has been a virtual explosion in alcoholic seltzers in Australia. No recalls, though, apparently. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Actually, have there been a seltzer? I don't think so because I think most of them are pasteurised. Following the growth of the category in the U.S., in the past two years, Lion has bought White Claw Seltzers to Australia and brewers including Bodrigi, Accelerated, Minecraft and Stone Wood have launched their own versions, which has, of course, seen them targeted by those who make complaints to ABAC and use that uh, format. Um, if you are interested in the nuance of craft brewing and seltzers and what is permissible under the Australian, uh, sorry, the Alcoholic Beverage Advertising Code and what isn't, go read it. We won't discuss it here. There are a few things that we will park in below the fold, yeah. though, because they're probably a little bit more. But once you have, once you have um, acquainted yourself with the code, if you think that perhaps uh, some of your labelling is not up to scratch, uh, you could call Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging because they're uh, able to supply not just labels for your cans or your bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. They do can trays, they do tap decals, barcodes, uh, anything you can think of. Uh, give them a call, one 852 235 to discuss further. And that's it for news for this week. Uh, so see you later and welcome back for Below the Fold. And we always begin Below the Fold with mailbag. Proudly supported by New Zealand Ale Trail. So you can head to triptubnzaletrail.com or at nzaletrail on all the social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. Garage Project may be high on your list. Or Yeasty Boys. Are they still available in New Zealand? I guess they are. Or are they really just in, in the UK now? There, there were some highlights out. They're largely out of New Zealand. I think it's basically a contract brand in New Zealand that's uh, licensed well, it's certainly licensed in Australia by Experience It, you know, Yeasty Boys Australia, and they pay a license on, on, on the beers. In New Zealand, I think it effectively is, and their main focus is in New Zealand. And we did a story recently where they covered a where, – where they'd taken on some investment from a major distributor over there. So, uh, yeah, um, 
you know, again, a, a brand that was one of the really early cool activist craft beer, you know, popularizing and doing before crazy interesting craft beer became mainstream, they were the ones who were making craft beer exciting with some of the things that they were doing. Yeah. Um, and it's almost the, the pyramid has flipped. So it's an industry that in some ways rests on its apex. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue. Yeah, yeah that's a good way. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting below the fold topic, Pete. What do you think yeah, of that? Rex. Rex, I wonder how. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen that for a while. No. It's going to matter. You know, like um, the... Uh, Everyone's throwing tea leaves in now, aren't they? Everyone's throwing tea leaves in. You know, and some of the beers that they were making, they were doing, you know, uh, but in addition to a core-ish sort of range, they were one of the first, you know, when everyone was doing core range, they were the, one of the first to do these beers that were really interesting and constant seasonal releases, much more than any others. And, uh, you know, like yeah. I, I think of, um, you know, again, another brewery that, Seemed that lost momentum very early, very respected, but then just disappeared. Murray's, you know, they had a very, very, very strong core range, but then their seasonals they would bring out were just so good and they were in demand. And they were the things that really created yep. hype and awareness, yep. but there was a core range. These days, look at, I mean, name me a brewery that has a really, really strong core range that you can see in bottle shops. You know, th th there's more than, you know, three or four of their core range in a bottle shop. I can hear, hear that noise. That's that's the noise of a thousand of our listeners tapping away on the keyboard, <laughs> listing ones that they can think of. Oh, and, and please do, because, again, you know, like – up here, Black Hops is you know, in Brisbane. When you go to a BWS, you'll maybe see two or three of theirs. And and I'm talking about even the specialist craft beer shops, um, the ones that have you know five, six, seven facings of craft beer in the fridge. Um, I can only think of you know most uh, you know breweries not really having a, a, a you know they would be the only ones that have a core range ranged in them bws's and things even the dan murphy's i wouldn't think there are too many that have an extensive you know four you know range yeah, of four, yeah. four ranges yes. yeah, not yeah. just constant um sugar rush uh seasonal releases yeah well there you go there's your there's your homework listeners now don't forget uh the other homework that i'm going to ask you to do is to subscribe um smash that like button and uh, leave us a review on... <laughs> You've been watching too much uh, YouTube, I think, Pete. Apple Podcasts, um, your favourite podcasting app, wherever you, know, wherever you listen to us. Um, as we say each week, it costs nothing, but it also it does help other people uh, discover the podcast. And we figure, you know, if you like it, well, then your friends might as well. So let them know. Review us, yeah. Um, and send us in an email, leave a comment on um, our Facebook page, which is uh, Radio Brews News. Uh, you will need to join because it's it's not just for everyone. You know, you've got to be engaged. Um, use the password soapbox and you'll be in the draw for the letter of the week and you'll get a bar blade. And we've also got T-shirts as well. We do have some T-shirts and I'm wearing my Postcraft T-shirt. Actually, great Christmas gift. If you do want to support us um, and you don't necessarily just want to give us money. I if, what if you want today. What have you got? I'll be wearing my uh, Defend Pilsner. Okay, Hawkers. Hawkers. Okay. Um, yeah, give give the gift of Bruce News. <laughs> you know, give a postcraft. If there's a beer lover in your life, uh, postcraft world, or you know, the uh, Venn diagram, want, 
Venn diagram. The Venn diagram. Um, and you can personalize yeah. those too, can't you? Yes, you can. Yes. No, no, you can. You can enter your own what makes good beer. Yeah. What you is put, at the heart of good beer? You might put independence. Although independent, it's, we'd need to extend the or independence would be written so small well, it could be you wouldn't be able to see it. Yeah, or the well, or just indie. the the um the logo. Yeah, could be love. It could be a love heart. Who knows? What you, your choice? Yeast, growlers, whatever you want. Now, a uh, couple of uh, comments uh, from your chat with Dr. Tim, Dr. Tim Cooper. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We do have a bit of fun um, at Cooper's expense from time to time, and that's why it's always good to go back to the source and have a chat because there's always a, a, another side of the story um, hmm. uh, when, when you dig a little bit deeper. And it was interesting to hear Tim talk about – can I call him Tim? I always feel I, I always feel it should be Dr. Cooper, but that sort of sounds a little bit yeah, – anyway, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The subject of that podcast. Um, talk about – the internal discussions that they had about releasing pale ale as pale ale in cans because there were conversations about whether a can-conditioned beer would taste the same as a bottle-conditioned beer, and they they wanted the consumer experience to be the same. And so releasing it as Dr. Tim's unshackled consumer perceptions from that. But at the same time, it didn't really sell outside, uh, and I think he went from, you know, 5,000 cartons a month to 20,000 know, cartons a month. That's a lot. Mm. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and hearing about it, the actually the, the thing that I loved about that conversation is I've, I've had a number of conversations with Tim over the years that haven't that have just been having conversations. And, mate, as you know, I can't re- recall a conversation that I had yesterday. But halfway through this conversation, Suddenly, Tim Cooper says, "Oh, you know, as you asked me about in, in in the past, you know, would Coopers ever buy a craft brewery?" And goes off on this little voluntary conversation. No, so we won't buy a craft brewery because here's the reason why we won't. And I'm sort of going, "This is I haven't even asked the question, and this is you know banner headline: Coopers rules out buying a craft brewery, but will it? You know, because when we when we talked about it, you're going, Doctor Tim has just done a dig set spike <laughs> at, at his own." <laughs> And he hit it back on the own side of the net. Because, and and look, there are a couple of things that we talk about hearing a lot. You know, don't quote me on this. You know, all, all of the things. You know, I'm happy to discuss off the record. Leave my yeah, name well, out well, of this. And, and, and that's the thing. There, there are a number of conversations. We, we have a lot of friends in the brewing industry, Pete. Um, you know, that are friends. Yes. You know, and, and they yes. just happen to be industry invested, friends. And they want the industry. They want the best for the industry and for their. You know, yeah, oh, they're, they're, they're just friends, and yeah. like if you like if you work in dog food um, manufacturing, and you know a friend comes up to you, oh, how's business? You know, like at, at a dinner party, you might sort of say, oh, look, you know, we've got this problem where you know X happened, and you know they, they, they'll they'll share something that they probably shouldn't because it's you know like a we work in the brewing and we're journalists, and so you'll be having a conversation with a friend, and then suddenly you sort of see this switch where they go, oh, um, okay, <laughs> who am I talking to? Am I talking to Matt or am I talking to Bruce News Editor, Matt yeah. Kierkegaard? Yeah. And you just see it. So there, there's always that little bit of guardedness um, in some conversations. And you look, mate, none of this, we don't want to break stories. It's not, nothing like that. We yeah, speak freely. Then you suddenly, and, and or, as soon as a mic is on, 
people are very, very guarded. And that's why I don't do it. But once a conversation ends, I would love to leave, you know, and record the 15 minutes of post-conversation because often that's where the best, even stuff that they go back and revisit something they've said, oh, you know, that was a really interesting question you said. And, you know, like I think about this, but as soon as they think the mic is off, there is just a whole different approach. And in that conversation with Tim Cooper, the whole thing, like that was the thing. He just engaged with the premise of the question and being such a gentleman, talked, just answered it. And was it was about him engaging with me and telling the question and trying to make sense of the decisions they've made without being prompted. There was no grilling. You, you ask a question and he just went with it. And then hark back to a question I asked him three years ago. Funnily enough, and I might even release it now. There was a conversation that we that I did with him that was in Adelaide. When was the marriage debate, the kerfuffle? Three, um, three four years. No, it was four, I think it was four years ago. And I'd, I'd, I was actually in Adelaide. I had just sat down and recorded a face-to-face inversa- in, you know, interview with um, Tim, and James was still editing, and. I was in an Uber on the way back to the city from Cooper's. It was a Thursday. So here's mm-hmm. it's all coming back to me. And James Atkinson texted me to say, oh, did you ask him about this? And sent me a link to the story that was literally just hitting the wires then that Cooper's had been caught up in, in, in this thing. And I went, no. And then also, this isn't going to go anywhere. And then you know, some beer bloggers wrote about it and it was picked up and it and it and we never published that because it just wasn't the environment to... There would have been elements that would have criticised you for not bringing it up despite the fact that you'd already recorded it. And... Oh, it was pre-recorded and it yeah. just, yeah. yeah. It, it it would have just been a leaf in the wind um, that, you know, it didn't add anything to that conversation and no one would have been listening to the things that we actually did talk about. Um, but it might even be, like, I might even release that one just as a... Um, because I, I can't even remember what we talked about, but you know, suddenly in the middle of this conversation and this long answer that Tim was giving me, he remembered that I'd previously asked him this question about whether Coopers would ever buy a brewery. So it may have been that. So uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. Very, very long. Go listen to it. It was a, it was a great chat. Yeah, so a couple of letters in the mailbag from Brad Hulse. I just finished listening to Dr. Tim Cooper's interview and what a fantastically candid conversation, even admitting some of their shortcomings and perhaps missed opportunities. I really hope they stay relevant in this ever-changing beer landscape of Australia. And did I really hear Matt say, quote, that was before my time, cough, cough, bullshit, cough. Uh, no, well, and that was like I, I made, quote, a, made that's, light that's of that. Yeah, there yeah. aren't many things that you speak to someone who's currently in the industry about that you and I, Pete, you know, and it's it's showing our age and to some extent our irrelevance to a Mm. rapidly emerging industry, but it's also the benefit of wisdom, I'll call it. Yeah. (laughs) There are too many things. Other than, you know, Willie Simpson, Blair Hayden from uh, uh, Lord Nelson, Chuck Hahn and Dr. Tim, there aren't too many people, you know, left, like still operating in that space of, of their vintage. Yeah, like our founding, you know, in, in a different part of the industry, you know, like even the Brendan Varuses, the Brad, you know, Brad Rogers is my age. Um, he was, you know, so he started studying wine before um, I was anywhere near involved in the industry, but, you know, got involved in the industry. And, you know, our our personal experience with the industry mirrors 
those people because they're they're the same age. And then you sort of speak to someone like Tim Cooper, who is 10, 15 years, and I've got, I mean, his family, 156, 159 um, years old um, in, in brewing. So, yeah, so that, that was a funny one to suddenly go, mate, I can honestly say that my experience, I, like I do remember – I mean, I was a kid, so I do remember the sealed cans with the the seam down the side. My nana used to take us to the Western Oval to watch. Uh, back then, it was Footscray. Now, the Western Bulldogs, and um, there's there's always a couple of blokes in the in the crowd who neck a couple of tins just so they could give them to each of the small kids because then you'd stand on them like because they were still. strong yeah they'd support the weight of a child um and you could you had a better view of the footy but also having the can key to open them you know before they even had the ring pull they yeah, had the, the, odd, the odd shot. yeah well I, I look i i remember i'm pretty sure i remember opening uh, graham kennedy opening with a tin opener yeah and and punching you know just like you used to have to do with your fruit juice yeah Punch the relief hole and then the drinking hole or the pouring hole. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this making sense to you, kids? <laughs> <laughs> Which is going to bring Google us into way back, incidentally, by the way. Um, it's, it's going to bring well, it back I'll just to quickly, way back. I'll just yeah. quickly get the other one because it kind of relates. But uh, Rob Stewart also left a comment. Very interesting chat with Dr. Cooper. I noticed his very particular choice of wording when discussing Cooper's space in the Australian beer landscape. While Matt was continually referring to Cooper's as part of craft, I thought Tim was very much treating Cooper's as being aside from craft. It was also interesting to hear the marketing line of Forever Original, which may have just been internal, when his talk about introducing new products was all about copying craft trends with a Cooper spin and it being driven by marketing research. Raise the question with me, do you move away from craft when your marketing department is making decisions about new products to take to market rather than brewers exploring an interest in new styles? And that's possibly, geez, we could do a whole, oh, just yeah. on that one thought, we could do a whole interview or a whole whole episode. We we might actually um, do that uh, with a with, with a marketing expert. Matt and I, over the last ten years or so in our discussions, have very often um, mused: Does this brewery realise that? It, like, does the marketing department realise that the company also has a brewing division? Like, some of the decisions that are made, you, you sort of think, you guys know you brew beer, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And I know that the tail can't wag the dog and all that sort of thing, but but surely, you know, and, and it's probably easier when the head brewer is also the head of marketing or his wife is or, you know, his partner or whoever it might be. Um, and it's not until you get into the bigger breweries, because I'm thinking of, think, again, like um, Wolf of the Willows, like Bad Shepherd, where it, it, it was very easy to kind of stand around as you're mashing in to kind of go, well, what are we going to call this or what's the label going to look like? It's it. The bigger you get, the more difficult that is because you've got. And to as get it becomes, yeah, from totally as it becomes sophisticated. Yeah. And I, I, I hearken back to the conversation with Jazz Warren again. No criticism expressed or implied in this, but you know, I ended up having to say, okay, look, let's stop the ad. And you know, yes, you know, <laughs> you're calling it Australia's first Chavesa. I don't think it is. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fight with you about this, but I'll, I'll let you say what is your spin um, or your spiel. But craft beer marketing, you know, in, in, in what we talked about the craft beer industry 20 years ago, they're a fun, you know, and, and that's where we were wrong. You know, when we used to take the stick to big brewers and say, you are bad people for doing this, the craft beer industry was just still, you know, in its infancy. It turns out the only reason we weren't doing those things was because we couldn't. <laughs> now we can and we do. Like we'll, we'll never can our beer. Can can beer is for is mainstream, but now everyone's a can because you can now fit a canning line 
in most breweries, or you can have the canning line come to you. That that was never never a possibility. And pasteurizing is Enzyme the great unknown. Yeah, pasteurizing. Yep. There's a whole all, of, all of that. Yeah. But in terms of marketing, you know, if you launch a craft beer, unless you are like unless you've got a ten million dollar, um, you know budget and you've you've got your brewery and you haven't had to scrimp and save there and you've got your marketing and you've got all that and you can invest in it if you are a small uh brewery your marketing you need to engage with your core audience which will be the craft beer community so yeah. all of your conversation is going to be about small local craft this is what we are we're different to the big guys yes. to, to to get that um, as you grow, and, and stone and wood, this is what you know. When, when we talked about stone and wood and the whole uh, conscious business model, you know, over time, oh, we never said we were craft beer. Well, you kind of did, you know, um, but yes, you moved away from it, and then you know, well, we're not, we were never about independence. Well, yeah, you were, but, and you can see that each of these are stage, you know, like the, the the rocket ship that takes you into orbit that makes you a sustainable business. The first stage is your craft. The second stage is you're bigger than craft, but you still have, you know, you don't want to lose the momentum that no. and you also got that, to grow grow your market, which means you've got, you've got to go, to go a little bit to more the next level. Mainstream, which means you need yeah. to broaden. And and they don't give a shit so much about you know how local you are. You know, there's a whole lot of things that you did that that next level don't really care about. And then you know, as as we heard. Um, Bootsy say when they launched the Green Coast, look, this isn't targeted at the people that we founded at, you know, and it was the first time I really heard the business enunciate, you know, we, we, we were never a, a craft brewery. We were never, you know, we were always a regional brewery. I'm going, no, you were never actually a major regional brewery. Go back and read your first. Regional certainly was a part of, of the, the early, you know, brand story. Oh, yeah. But, but the way that they then sort of took it. And again, sort of thing. Yeah. this is the evolution. You know, again, it's, it's why I picture in my head a rocket ship um, in so yeah. many ways. You've yeah. got your first stage to get you to this level. You discard it, but you need that momentum. And the second stage takes you to the next level, and then you keep going. And sophisticated market, marketing that appeals to an audience that doesn't give a shit about craft values, doesn't give a shit, you know, you're competing against the pinnacle brands, you know, uh, Endeavor Group beer mm. on, on the shelf, your brand need, you know, to some level independence seal will stand out, but then there are other things about your brand that appeals to that same level of consumer. So, uh, yeah, so no criticism. That's just the way of the world, folks. As, as we come up uh, on an hour and we we're going to do a, a short, tight one because Claire's not here, did you want to talk about ABAC? Um, I, I, well, I just wanted to bring it back to ABAC and I won't do full rant now. There was just an interesting conversation, um, you know, back, harking back to that ABAC story. Um, just Matthew on the Facebook Payne, group? Yeah, so, so uh, no, it's just on the main page. So I'm not sure whether Matthew is a listener. I'm not having a go at him. He's, you know, he, he was very upset about the whole ABAC thing. So his comment was, um, apologies, but w what is the important role that ABAC plays and the appreciation from breweries struggling on both points? What the ABAC is suggesting is that these businesses are trying to target to minor. I'm sure banks, et cetera, center on the table came up with a label saying that they thought that this would get children drinking beer. What a joke. And I responded and said, look, ABAC doesn't suggest anything. It adjudicates on complaints made to it based on voluntary code. It doesn't go looking for fights to pick. There is an industry code that has been established to ensure that beer isn't, you know, that, that, that alcohol 
isn't subject to criticisms in its marketing because of the potential downside. And uh, Matthew then came back and said, my point still stands and it isn't voluntary. It definitely ain't voluntary. It's ridiculous. Bridge Road's Christmas beer with Santa on the label aimed at children. This is something that we see so often. By saying, you know, by adjudicating that a label has the potential to appeal to children, the mindset seems to be that you're saying that Bridge Road has sat down to sell this beer to children. And, you know, I try and come up with analogies to to, to, to demonstrate the logic like the, the, the rocket ship one. And, and, and then the best one I can come up with, if you're driving past a school during school hours, they reduce the speed limit to 40 kilometres an hour. They're not saying that you are driving at children. They're saying that when children are around, there is an increased risk so be aware that, that you have to be aware and, of, and a flashing you forty don't... sign where it would normally be a sixty or an eighty where is a, yeah. a visual cue to say be aware of your of your surroundings. No, they're not saying that you target your car at children. They're not saying anything like that. It's just a risk thing to ensure that a harm doesn't occur. Perfectly reasonable, and that's exactly what they're doing here. You know, um, children do absorb our drinking and. It's no one saying that a, a Christmas beer with Santa on is designed to make children go to the mum and dad's fridge and drink it. But the potential risk is because of the imagery, it can be attractive to children. And that's something that there is a risk, there is an inherent risk in making it attractive to children mm. um, because they don't have the maturity, they don't have the judgment, they don't understand, they don't have all of those sorts of things. Which is why they have parents. Yeah, well, no, but my parents go out, you know, like, you know what, again, it's, it. I, I, I yeah, I, I think you and I disagree on this. I, I, there can be beer in the fridge and kids can sneak it if they want it. And we all did that. But making a beer attractive to children, it's an adult beverage. You know, it, it's, a, it's an earned privilege. It, you know, if we have to package alcohol that has a social license around it in a format that appeals to children, I think there's actually a problem with our marketing. Um, you know, mm. if, if we can't sell beer without something that looks like it may potentially uh, attract children, I, th- I don't think the problem is ABAC. I think the problem is our product. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, agree. I, I just say personal responsibility and, you know, if you take on the role of parent, it, it's, your, oh, yeah. it's your job yep. to, to model good behaviours so that whether it's driving, drinking, um, hunting, shooting, fishing, um, relationships, um, friendships, gambling, whatever it might be, that you yeah. have the the tools to you know, to tackle any situation that that comes up with um, with maturity and responsibility. A hundred percent. But I would even argue that that's a you know that is a value or that is a thing that's in parallel with whether beer should be marketed. What should should be carry marketing that could appeal to children. Yeah. You know, like no, there right. are layers. It's all interwoven. It, 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 it's all into, uh, interwoven, and they're all checks and balances in, in the system. And, you know what else you know, has layers? Onions. Onions have layers. Onions. <laughs> Thank you, layer boy or onion boy. Um, <laughs> but just on that last point, and even if you don't agree with me on that point, that beer has a social license and that you know we, we need to avoid the risk that it um, – even if you don't agree, you don't in, believe that, this is an industry code. This is a code that the industry itself has said we can live with and still survive. 
the alternative is that if there is an and there are enough noisy naysayers out there, I think I called them the you know the flying monkeys of fair, of, of fair out there that if the industry can be painted as being irresponsible, if it can be portrayed as targeting children, regardless of whether it is or isn't, if it can be successfully portrayed as doing that, then the worst thing that we're going to have isn't having to defend our labelling practices in front of a voluntary code. It is going to be a government-mandated body that says you have to use a white can and use Ariel no bigger than this and you need to have you know, a exploded kidney um, or exploded liver photo. And keen-eared listeners, particularly those who have um, uh, female children, when Matt says Ariel, he's referring to the font, right? Not, not, not the Disney <laughs> Ariel, princess. So Ariel, sans, <laughs> you know, some, some boring-ass font. Yeah, it'll all just be, it'll, it'll be the plain, uh, whatever, the cigarette, you know, plain. Because that, yeah. that's that's the end of the road. That's that's if, if we if we don't behave, um, the responsibility will be taken out of our hands to self-regulate. And uh, yeah, and we've said it, we've said it a hundred times and it was like, you took the words right out of my mouth, Matt, was that, you know, just beware of the alternative because at the moment most people can't see it, but we, we've seen it happen in other, in other areas. Even if you don't agree with my risk avoidance yeah, and, and awareness, um, look, people just don't hate ABAC. You know, they're good people doing the right thing. Yep. And on that note, well, I'd like to thank another few people who are doing the right thing and who are good people. And they are Cryer Malt, Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging, and our friends at New Zealand Ale Trail, and Thirsty Merchants, who do our uh, bar blades and our shirts. Do they do our shirts? Thirsty Merchants, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's through them, isn't it? Yeah, so, so, so it's, it's through them, but they're beer tees. Their sideline business is beer tees. So if you, want a, if you want a shirt, if you want a Christmas present, on the right-hand side of the Brews News main page, brewsnews.com.au, you'll see uh, down the bottom... Our only house ad, we very rarely do it, but you can click on it, go through and order your own beers. I'm actually having a chat with John Hall, um, our good friend John Hall, because uh, I love my Defend Pilsner t-shirt prof. I'm actually well, going to see whether... I've worn mine out. Yeah, 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 m- me too. Um, I'm actually going to see, because of the cost of sending them over here, whether he will license it to Thirsty Merch so they can print it here, but remit the... Yeah, like a license fee. So, you know, and then they then they just they just pay him. So you, you can order it here, um, yeah. and we'll we'll promote it because so we're we printing any money. Yeah, because printing it here just means that you know we're looking after our carbon footprint and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Oh, but it just means that you're not paying ridiculous amounts to to get it here because it was I sent him some of ours and it was about seventy dollars. So Oof, more than the shirt geez. was worth. So, um, but actually, just one other house ad. Brewers, like if you work in a brewery and you listen to this, and thank you to like we have had a couple of people very generously come on. Um, you know, giving us a few dollars a month. You know, I, you know, I think we've got a couple of people paying twenty dollars a month. Not sponsors. Supporters, um, no, they, well, no, the, the podcast sponsors are sponsors. They're not, yeah, they're um, not advertisers though. They don't expect. They're, they're not advertisers, um, but they they do come on and make this possible. But if you are you are a brewery, you know, or you work in a brewery in whatever role, and you're not a subscriber, I had a couple of breweries say, "Look, love what you guys do. Listen to the podcast. I, I read your newsletter all the time." But then they sort of say, "But you know, we only are distributed in this place." Um, that's why I say we're not here to build your brand. Um, you know, we're not, don't that, think your subscription, that, that's your job. If you engage with our content, it costs us a lot of money to employ Claire and Vivian and, you know, myself and Pete gets paid a little bit, you know, I won't say paid, but, you know, you get a stipend yeah. um, to, to make up for this uh, hour a week that you give us and, uh, you know, um, those you know, and, and, and all the contributions you made to Bruce News over the years. 
if you enjoy this content, it costs money to, to make. If, if you're a brewery, don't ask what we can do for you because that's not our job. You know, our job isn't to market you. Our job is to cut through the news of the week to tell you what you need to know, what matters in an unbiased and sometimes unflattering way. And I will say, Prof, I think that we're the only, uh, you know, we don't just jump in on the causes that everybody agrees with um, so we can, you know, put you know ourselves out in front of the popular causes. We raise the issues that sometimes need to be raised that, you know, people don't like. And if you like that we do that, um, whether it's against the big guys or the little guys, um, supporting ABAC when it's unpopular or whatever, you know, we can only do that if, as breweries, you take a subscription and essentially you get the content still for free, but you paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a hard sell yes. trying to say, pay us for what we're already giving you for free. If you if you you know you do get job ads, you get directory listings, and you, you do get a few other things, but we we're not here to be your advertising agency. It also it just makes you feel so gosh darn better to know that you're supporting you know what supports the industry. Yeah. So thanks to Crime Up, thanks to Bellings Label Stickers and Packaging, and to New Zealand Ale Trail. Thanks, Matt. Um, actually, Pete Bluestone Yeast, another one that we'll just sort of thank because they are coming on as a regular supporter um, to, to to make what we do possible. Excellent. And on that note, say good day to Claire for us. Will do. Oh, and congratulations to, to all of the people who at some stage later this evening are going to win indies. Um, I'll be at uh, Easy Times in Brisbane for that. So, yeah, no doubt. Oh, shout out to Russell. I did. I found a message that I'd missed. He sent down some uh, Easy Times beers for me to try. And uh, I have been very remiss in getting back to him and, uh, and giving him a bit of feedback and, and a thank you. So I'll, I'll publicly thank him for that now. So until next week, that's uh, it for this episode of Bruges News Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. Till next week, drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other. Be excellent to each other, in fact, and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Insert boom here. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.